to Dopey, the podcast about drugs. No, 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 no. Let's do it again. Hello. Enthusiasm. Yeah. No, I like to... I like to... Do hello. I don't, that's how Chris answers the phone. Do that thing. What? Hello. I, it's so annoying. <laughs> that's weird. He, an, he answers the... Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. I'm Chris. And we have a guest. Another guest. We have another guest. I call him DJ. Some people call him Don. Why do you call him DJ if he calls himself Don? Because Ted, who was our mutual friend and introduced me to DJ, calls him DJ because he grew up. And you know what? I was thinking about this, and I'm going to start this podcast by telling DJ a little story about Ted that perhaps you don't know. It's my favorite Ted story. Well, do you know why they call him DJ? Because it's Don. Well, I don't want to. Donald J. Is that right? It's not because you fucked shit up on the one and twos? I do. And you do I, fuck shit up on the one. No, I don't. But my girlfriend always jokes that I should be a DJ because I love music. And could I be to, DJ. I love DJ. to dance at weddings. Exactly. That DJ would be my squared. Name. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. DJ, DJ. DJ. Yeah. It may. It may happen. It could be a whole new thing. It could happen. And then I. And then I would. I would also be. You know, I'd be playing music at the wedding, and then I could go out and dance at the wedding. It's like you get. You get Are you a good dancer? No, but I think I. I like to pretend that I'm, I enjoy dancing. Mm, me too. Um, I, he I'm doesn't dance. He's just busting it down. He sings. Yeah. Dave sings. I dance. And okay. I don't give a fuck. You, there was all these years, you know, I, I had to be drunk and then like I'd ride the walls for a bit and now it's sure. I don't care if I look like a fucking You know what? I just you enjoy know it. I like Chris my favorite dance. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up. Why don't you do a little bit? <laughs> right now? Yeah. I'll do it. I I'll get my jiggle on. Let's see. No, so I'll take his word for it. My favorite dancing is actually mostly just like techno and shit because you could just be a total idiot out there. Do you just know what I mean? Move around, yeah, and like electronic. Yeah. yeah, and so have you ever done Irish folk dancing? I haven't. I can see you doing that. My I, ankles can. I have my ankles. All right, are... so tell me the Ted story. Okay, so Ted story. So I know DJ through Ted, and I went to rehab with Ted in 2011. And this is just a silly, stupid story. It has nothing to do with drugs. There's a lot of Ted drug stories, but I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to tell them because he's not here, and I don't know if he'd be okay with They're that. They're Ted stories. So yeah. Ted was sitting in his car. And he had this little black Jetta. Did he have the black Jetta when you knew him? Oh yeah, you got yeah. a DUI in that. Yeah, so yeah. it's old as fuck, right? And uh, it's one of these cars where, like, if you drop something beneath the seat, it is impossible. You'll never find it again. You can't get. It's like really, really hard to get it. So he's a slob, anyways. Yeah. So this is this is right on par with what you said. So. Ted had a chicken Caesar salad that he just got and he put a top on it and he was shaking it in his car and it exploded and he said all of it shot down the crevice and went underneath the seat and he told me he thought about it for a little because he knew he couldn't get at it. Sure. And he's like, you know what? He's like, that chicken Caesar salad, he's like, it only has so much energy. And he's like, I know if I wait long enough, it'll just turn into dirt. So he had forever this full chicken Caesar salad. Underneath it. And I don't know why. That's my favorite Ted story. It's very PG, not no drug It's related. very optimistic, though, and that's very Ted. I yeah. mean, it's very it much not like, optimistic. You know, we call that, we call that negligence. That's just well, he's neglect. Most, that guy, up. He, God bless him, he has five years sober, and he has a fucking master's degree. Yeah. Now, growing up, Ted was... One of these – I mean that story is so on par with him because – What is just, his master's isn't in science because chicken salad decomposes and turns to nasty shit. It doesn't turn to dirt. Eventually, eventually we all – everything yeah, turns to dirt. Exactly. Eventually it's just going to be a fertile dirt it's that you very can place a in. Do you know what it is first? What? It's disgusting. It's maggot. Well, it stinks it's and it would be gross stinks. and you probably drove around for chicken months with salad. it. Chicken salad. so gross. <laughs> Fucking Ted. Yeah. Dude. What are you doing? Yeah. How often did you ride around? The, he's him, got it together now though. All the How time. long did you ride around in this chicken salad car? Uh, do you smell, I mean, actually it was pretty funny. He got battery acid. <laughs> it was, I don't know how all over his passenger side seat and it like corroded his seat. 
And it finally conked out. Dude, his odometer, his odometer and his speedometer didn't work for like three years. I know so he was just driving around on zeros. That's so Ted, man. Just <laughs> kind of going with it. Just but, like shit happens and he just... But he's such a good guy. He like doesn't speed. He's one of those people who got sober and he just like naturally, like he's naturally spiritual. He's just a yes. good human being. He is. He's one of the kindest... Most gentle. He's what he's. He'll be my best friend forever. I mean, he's he's an awesome guy. And we we got high together. That was the first. That was my introduction to oxycotton. Was Teddy through Teddy's, yeah. Was through Teddy's mom who had fifteen back surgeries. Yeah. And you know, God bless her. I hope she's doing okay. I mean, she was in ba- in bad shape. She would have these fucking surgeries and be bedridden. Yeah. And she would just have these. She would have a prescription or a pharmacy worth of painkillers around their house. And so you just, guys delved in. Oh my goodness! It was it was insane. Dude, I mean, it was, was that Ted's jump off too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were both doing it, and it was before oxy even was really a thing. We were sixteen years old. This was it's like morphine sulfate and stuff. And I mean, it was the real oxycotton that had the forty oh, engraved into the eighty. The real fucking sixties when they first yes, came out. She was for on the eighties, really. And I would get one. We could do. You could take one eighty and just eat a little piece out of it. I would because oh you were like God. 13, 14. No, kid. I was like 15, 15, Dude, 16. My How friends, long did my friends. Before you got to have it. So what happened was what had happened was wait wait before you yeah. get into what happened. I want to tell a little quick thing because you just reminded me of it. My friends parents had a medicine cabinet right and they had saved all of their prescription medicine dating back to like the 80s and 70s and there was literally probably like 200 pill bottles in there and one time i got drunk and i went in there and i literally took a full full bottle they're all like half full you know what i mean they would like get wisdom teeth and they'd have half and she was on like prescribed to benzos and use them as needed so she had just a graveyard of so many benzos but then there was also like penicillin like tons of like regular shit sure so i went in there once when i was drunk and i just took a ziploc baggie and anything that ended in like odone (laughs) or pam i just put it i didn't even know what the fuck it was right and literally for like probably 12 hours like every on the just hour I think the six, just, yeah, just eating them there was like literally 15 different types of pills in there I didn't even know what they were taking amoxicillin there's anything yeah. <laughs> no he wasn't taking the cillin anything with oh right so you were taking good stuff okay maybe Razz though Pam. who knows yes. you know there's gotta be some that's like sounds like the same stuff that was always when when I was doing that that was always such a such a gold mine just going to people's houses and you know just fucking going through the medicine. Well, I heard people will go to like open houses. Scumbag, like, but... junkies oh, will yeah? go to open houses and just because they don't, like, think to hide the narcotics. Sure. You know what I mean? When someone's showing their house. I mean, now I feel like they do with the, with the epidemic that's kind of occurred. And yes. they're, they're, they're kind of busting down on doctors, which is good. Yeah. You know, because this is what led to it. And that's what happened to me. I was 16 years old, right? And I got into a car accident. Driving home from hockey practice in Michigan. It's the winter time. And fucking, um, it's in the snow. I'm driving too fast. We hit this pole, and I get I get really bad whiplash, mm-hmm. and after that I start getting these terrible migraine headaches. So I go to the doctor, and they give me Vicodin, and then they can't figure out what's wrong. So they give me Percocet because it's like you know the Vicodin's kind of not not working enough. Mm-hmm. Then they 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 decide I go to this neurologist because I'm still complaining about the pain. But at this time I I figured out you know I kind of like the way these make me feel. So if, I was 16, 16, okay. 17. So it wasn't total. You know, me by being naive, I, I, I was manipulating for sure. Very very soon thereafter because, you know, I love the buzz. It felt fucking great. Yeah. And my mom was always this type of person, you know, and I love my mother. But there was always, you know, pills around the house. I mean, at that time you could go to Canada and they, they sold codeine over the counter. 
mm. and she would go there because she would get headaches. Yeah. And so growing up, there was always narcotics. Yeah. It, you got a headache, you know, you, whatever, here's, you know, here's one of these, they were called two, two, twos. And so I knew about those. So once I started getting prescribed, I knew what was going on. I wasn't stupid. Yeah. And so the neurologist decided that I have this thing called Keary syndrome where your spinal cord goes farther or your cerebellum sags and is, is hitting your, your spinal cord, which Sagging is some serious cerebellum. fucking okay. shit. Yeah. yeah. Syndrome. <laughs> so, so finally after and like, what, it's like pinching your nerves and causing pain. Exactly. Or shit? Okay. Causing terrible headaches. So after seven months of being on narcotics, the perk set isn't working anymore. And one day I got this, I get this terrible headache and I go into the hospital and they shoot me up with morphine and the neurologist comes in and as he's leaving, he goes, okay, so we, you know, you've been on these seven unit duty narcotics, we're going to give you something that lasts for a few days. So he slaps on a fentanyl patch. Oh, man. I'm 17 Duragesic. years old. Duragesic. Yeah. 25 micrograms. <laughs> I go, I've never felt, I mean, I, I felt like I was oh. on a fucking cloud. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was total, you know. You're like, this is how I should feel. Yeah. All the time, right. <laughs> it was a solution to the problem that you didn't know existed. Well, it, it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, you know, I'd had that experience with pills in the first place. You know, it kind of, it kind of gave me this feeling like, like being home, like, like drug addicts and like alcoholics talk about. It's like this. It's amazing. It's amazing that, that that's our thing. Yeah. You know, John Lennon, uh, I, I read this story and I never understood it. He, he started doing heroin in like 1968 or something. And he would say, you know how you get butterflies in your stomach? Well, when I would do heroin, it felt like I had two golden eagles in my stomach. <laughs> and I remember when I was a kid, I was like, golden eagles in your stomach? I don't, I don't understand that. And only, only after I got off of heroin, I was like, oh, yeah, golden eagles flying, <laughs> right. peace. You know, I, I, the first time I did it, when I woke up in the morning, it was like, I was still high. Yeah. Sunny day outside. And you know, I don't know if you guys are much younger than me. There was a cartoon called The Smurfs. Yeah, I watched The Smurfs. The song was, There's been remakes of them now. You know, this peaceful. And I woke up and I was like, it's very trippy. And I was just like, I need to feel like this all the time. Sure. Just all the time. Yeah. And that was it. You know, it was a click. Yeah. For me. And I'm sure that's this fucking fentanyl patch. Yeah, I mean, and that and that was and that's that was it. And so I go see the neurologist the next week. And long story short, he forgot what dose he put me on. And I remembered, but I told him he had put me on uh, 100 micrograms, which is a top dose because I had, I had researched it and I had found out how you could abuse it. You could suck the gel out. Yeah. So he put me on 100 micrograms. I put it on. I went home. I called our do- our doctor, our family friend who works for hospice, and said, "I think I'm dying." Because my heart was like stopping because I was on hundred micrograms. She's yeah. like, "Well, what's going on?" I told her. She immediately she said, "Take it off," and she called me in a script for twenty five micrograms. So this is the kind of doctors I was dealing with. Yeah. We're like very easily manipulated to get the most extreme narcotics on the fucking planet. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Did you still have the hundred <laughs> yeah. micrograms? Yes. And twenty five. Yes. And I took all the hundreds and I would cut them up and I'd suck the liquid out and that lasted me for a couple months. So come November, it's the beginning of my senior year, right? You know, school starts in September. It's my senior year of high school. And the doctors decide, okay, you're done. We got to take you off fentanyl. We got to take you off all narcotics to find out what's going on. Like, this is getting Hold on, hand. hold on. You're on fentanyl for sophomore year, junior year. For five months, I was on fentanyl. Senior year. Yes. And then it's like graduation. He's like, the party's over, kid. Well, it wasn't quite to graduation. No, it was like, it was like, you know, just beginning my senior year. But, but, I was on. There was no more. There was no more narcotic. 
They'd give me the strongest narcotics there was. There was nothing more they could give me. So they're like, okay, if you're still in pain, I think that's when they were kind of like... We <laughs> Knock you out. I mean, it, it was like, it was just, I think they, they finally realized, like, okay, I don't know, like, is it this guy's... There's something up here. But he also jumped from fucking... Percocet to fentanyl. Well, there might have been some. There might have been some oxy, like ten milligrams in there in between. Darvocet, Darvon, none of that shit. I mean, there. I was on Vicodin for a while, and then it was Percocet for a while. It was just, it was all, you know. So what did he do when he took you off? So what happened was, I fucking, I'm at home, and I wake up one morning, and the fentanyl's worn off, and I immediately start crying. I'm hysterically crying and I don't know why. My skin is crawling and I can't stop kicking my legs. I had never – I didn't know what drug withdrawal was. Although I was 17 years old, I'd seen movies and all that. Maybe I knew what it was but I didn't know I was going through it. Mm-hmm. And, and I had been abusing fentanyl for months and had been on the, the 25 microgram patch. So it was a – I mean even if you have a serious dope habit, this is like – a monster yeah, fucking habit. It, yeah. It's tier. like it's like coming off 150 milligrams of methadone. Like all, well, methadone is probably worse. But anyways, so I go downstairs and my mom takes one look at me. And she's like, "What you know? What's going on with you?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know." Like, and I was I was inconsolable. I was shaking. I was you know shitting myself. I was just I, it was awful. And so she she gives me some Vicodin because you know she had some in the house. And she calls the doctor. You have to take like 60. Oh, I know. It, <laughs> just it, it to get okay. Just yeah. to, to get okay. Yeah. yeah. So she calls the doctor. He ends up writing me a prescription for oxy tents. And so I'm on those. But what I did after like two days is I, I was also on antidepressants at this time because I had dated this girl who moved to California. And I was like really depressed for a while, which kind of, you know, it's part of the backstory that leads into the pill. You know, I don't want to go into all that. But um, so my, yeah, dude, I was, I was devastated. Basically yeah. I was like, I was like, I just want to fucking check out a life. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with anything. Yeah. And, um, so I had these, um, I had Zoloft around and so the Zoloft, thank God, looked just like these oxys. And so I switched them out. And so I took the oxys that I was supposed to use to wean off, which As was supposed Zoloft. to take me a month. Yeah, so I took all the oxys in like four days so I could get high basically. <laughs> so here I am at, at you know, with nothing now and my my, my mom, you know, everybody She's thinks that I, Right, and I'm not taking it. <laughs> yeah. And every time I was taking the oxys, I was chewing them too, which just shows kind of my mindset at this time. Yeah. So now I'm still sick. I'm fucking emotionally wrecked. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I have no serotonin, no, no, no nothing left in my yeah. brain. And I've been on I've been on narcotics for a year. Yeah. I can't deal socially. I can't deal mentally. I'm terribly depressed. So from basically that moment until March of that year, when I eventually went to rehab, I had to like beg Teddy for oxys. Yeah, and and it was like because I knew that you know, and he was sympathetic because I think at that time he was kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit, kind of getting an idea of what it was all about. Uh, but dude, it wasn't. It wasn't. Like it no, like nobody knew what nobody the fuck knew. was coming. Exactly. No. The train I mean, in the wait, distance. When did, exactly. When did this, this was 2006? When did the shoebox? All right, out? so I'll get this to is, a fucking shoebox. This is the story I want to hear. I, I, I have heard it, but I want to hear it again. Dave hasn't heard it. I'll get to the shoebox, and then I'll and then I'll shut up a little bit so you guys can cut. You know, so we can all. Well, talk. We'll just ask you questions. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep going. So, anyways, we got a live one here. <laughs> all right, so he's, he's earned his seat on the couch. I definitely. <laughs> one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm lucky i mean yeah everything's fucking scratch the surface here but so it's like it's like november you know i basically get through and t- you know so for the next few weeks 
I'm fucking desperate. I'm like taking my mom's Vicodin. I'm doing whatever I can. I go in to check in with my initial primary doctor and I'm so fucking desperate for pills that I took his prescription pad and I wrote myself a script for Vicodin. Yeah. Why Vicodin? Because I thought – I know I'm – of course being an addict, you think, yeah, why wouldn't you do it for Oxy? Schedule but, three is smart. Well, this is the thing. Why my not? mom happened to have a hydrocodone script yeah. in her purse. And so I was able to copy that with all the nomenclature because uh, this was like the internet was around and I you did eventually research it as much. I did it. Yeah. And so I wound up out of that pad. I got a couple scripts filled, but then I got greedy and I tried writing it for the Oxycontin. Yeah. So I read for Oxycontin, 80 milligrams. Everything's good. Everything matches up. I write two refills. <laughs> you need no refills. You know, no allowed. fucking refills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go into the fucking pharmacy. I pick this shitty Rite Aid in Detroit where yeah. they're not going to ask me any questions. I give it to the pharmacist. And they give it back to me. They're like, this is no fucking good. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. And I'm like sick. I'm like, you know, because the anticipation. I'm like, I'm about to get a script of fucking 80 milligram oxygen. And you were yeah. I'm going to be golden. Was and like- I got greedy and I got desperate. So I go to grow- I go to my pharmacy where I usually went, where they knew my fucking family, yeah. and give it to the pharmacist. And he goes, I've known doctor this doctor for 15 years, and I've never once seen him write for this medic- medication, number one. Number two, you've written for, for refills where this cannot be written for refills. He said, <laughs> the, best part of, the best part right now is that it definitely didn't work and then you're like, maybe I'll try it somewhere else. <laughs> well, it wasn't even an option to yeah, say, you know, I could have, you know, I could have done the, the Vicodin thing which I got away from, you know, got away with. All you had to do is not go for the refills yeah. and those oxygen would have been yours. <laughs> well, well, exactly. So what did he but say? I, oh, oh, I want to hear what he says. He goes, so just keep going. Yeah, he goes, this, he didn't write this. He said, I'm calling your parents. Or he said, he said, I'm calling your parents, then I'm calling the police, go home right now. Why was he calling the police? Because he's a fucking federal offense. Okay. It's a felony. But he had, so you're going to get arrested. Basically, so just let him go. That's what happened. What's next? So I go home. <laughs> Sounds like a very responsible pharmacist. Yeah. I mean, he he knew the. I mean, at that time, I don't think people were forging scripts. I was I was one of the innovators. I think of that. I mean, it, it definitely happened thereafter. But I mean, this guy knew what was up. I mean, he could probably tell by looking at me. Some, you know, so. Yeah. And I tried to like act like I had this terrible headache. I would always do that when I went into write. <laughs> like, like, oh, it, like I'm in serious me. pain yeah. so that I'm acting. Yeah. yeah. So I go home and the doctor called my parents. Turns out like one, like, a, like one of the thousands of times where God fucking looks down and says, I'm going to spare this poor soul. Turns out the doctor is in recovery yeah. for a Vicodin addiction. Yeah. So he goes, listen, I'm not going to press charges, but he has to go to rehab. Yeah. But I'm 17. And so I can't go to an adult rehab. Yeah. So they find this – my parents find this like the worst this, – this shitty adolescent treatment center that's really like a juvie basically. Yeah. And it's in Flint, Michigan. And it's <laughs> fucking – I'm like the th- one of three white kids there. Yeah. And it's on Valentine's Day and you know they take me in and it's fucking terrible. It was like religious-based and – you couldn't read books. Like they only had the Bible basically. Yeah. And you sat in these, cl- these classes all day. It was, it wasn't AA based. Dude, it was, it was fucking weird. Basically I'm there for a week. And this is the thing. They don't let you talk to your parents. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I have to somehow con this counselor to let me talk to my parents. 
Because your parents aren't supposed to come see you for like two months. This was like a long-term thing. I was supposed to be there for like six months. You're like, I can't do two months. I said, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Somehow I conned the, ther- the counselor into letting me call my parents. And I can be very convincing. I'm sure. Because I'm a fucking junkie. <laughs> and I convinced my parents that, you know, I've learned my lesson it's scary. They're mistreating me here. And the counselor's in the room. Here, Mom. Yeah, this is not for me. This is not, this is not gonna help me. It's doing more damage than <laughs> Exactly. All that stuff. And there's like a pause on the other end. But my you know, my mom I mean my, my parents love me so much. And my mom is just really this person that because she's the one who took me to the doctor's appointments all the time. And and you know, you hearing this you might think, you know, she must be, you know, an idiot. But she just she just didn't want to see me in pain. Yeah. And who? Why would she think I was lying? You know, I'd cry and I would do whatever I had to do to show her that I was in pain. And she'd sit there in the doctor's office with me and she'd argue my case. Mm. So if the doctors were unsure about writing me something, if you're if the guy, kid's mom is sitting here and she seems genuine, you know, we, you know, I came from a good family. Yeah. They're gonna fucking do it. Yeah. So it was the same kind of thing with this rehab. I think she felt like you know he got fucked you know, over by these. That. Serious enabling. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah, maximum enabling. So anyways, fucking my parents come pick me up and we decide, you know, he's going to go up – we're going to go up to my cottage for a week. I'm just going to hang out up there until they figure out what to do with me. So the second day, I, I – my mom lets me take the car to go to a meeting out there. I go immediately to a CVS and, and cash one of the, the refills I had on the bike in it. So two days after I get out, you know – you know, because the refills on Viking, you didn't need a, a script. You could write refills on those. Did you get sick in the rehab? Did they detox you? What they didn't then? detox me, and I did get sick, but I was so – I was actually freaked out. I mean, there wasn't like fights or anything. I mean, it was pretty well controlled, but I was so out of my element. I mean, for where I grew up is like the whitest neighborhood ever. Everyone's got money. Everybody's parents are a doctor, a lawyer. I had never seen anything like this. My all my using was out of a pill bottle. It yeah. wasn't like I was going to the hood. Yeah. You know, I lived right by Detroit, so you know, I'd go there and get weed sometimes and you know, alcohol or whatever, which you know, I had some good adventures yeah. with Teddy <laughs> doing that actually. But um but this was out of my element and I was scared and it did scare me. But I, I was totally out of control. I was so fucking hooked. So this last and I, I those Vicodin last How week, long were you in the spot for? I was in that rehab for one week. So you must have been sick as shit when you got out. Oh, I was, and that's why the first thing I did was go and get that Vicodin. Did you? And did you tell? You didn't tell your mom how sick you were, though. No, I did. I mean, I'm like, I mean, I was. I think I would, like I said, I was more scared, and I didn't really know what what. You know how you know how when you're when you're kicking dope, it's so much worse after you've done it a few times because you know what's coming. Oh yeah, it's the fear it's of the it. Emotional, it's worse, it's yeah. the emotional, the emotional, the every the physiological, section, yeah. every section of the dope kick. The, is the worst section. You know, the, the first one where you're like, uh-oh, I'm going to get sick. That's bad. You know, the sickness is in... The you're almost just like paying attention. You're like, I think I feel it. Right. Yeah. And you're almost more, more sensitive to it. But also it's like, I didn't really know it as much. I didn't really know what it was. And I was so freaked out. And I was sick. I mean, I, I probably didn't eat for a whole week. But that, but that, you know, it was so short. I got out of it, whatever. So I'm still sick, you know. So I go back to school. Well, hold on. Wait, let him finish the story. Let him keep going. And then you guess it. Right. Okay. And then, because I'm getting to the pill fucking shoebox story. So I, I can't wait till the pharmacy hires you. That's, that's going to be the crescendo. That's, that's, that's going to be the yeah. crescendo. Yeah, it's I, I just yeah. don't, so, I don't understand. So, because I'm a, I'm a junkie, man. I can con my way into fucking anything. Yeah. Um, so, I go back to school and like the people aren't school and kind of figure out I've been to rehab and it was kind of like, 
like I think I was the only kid in my whole high school to have like gone to rehab, so it was kind of like a cool thing, but it was kind of like, you know, I was ashamed. It was fucking weird. Yeah. But people were like happy to see me and all that, whatever. Back in high school. Yeah, this yeah. was senior year of high school. I was a senior. And I was dating this girl who was a junior who came from this really good family. And I put that girl through so much too. I mean like – but I, Is this the girl whose mom is famous? No, this is another girl. Okay. That's another girl. That's a, dude, I can, I so I can talk. The, I don't want to throw the names. Right <laughs> no, but, so, yeah. so, fucking, um, so I go back to school. And one of my buddies comes around like the second or third day I'm at school and he goes, hey, you know, baseball season's starting. So this is March. And he goes, I work, you know, I knew he worked at Notre Dame Pharmacy. Fuck. He, Whatever, so I'll he, bleep it. He worked, worry, he worked at, this, at this pharmacy. As like Remind a, me to bleep it. As I'll, I'll bleep it. Right? As a stock boy, it, yeah. it doesn't fucking matter. This yeah. is not the pharmacy boy. that you got caught in. No, that, okay. was, that was a CVS. This, yeah. this is, a, it's another, no, this is another privately owned pharmacy. Yeah. And he comes over to like our group of guys. We're all sitting there by the lockers. He's like, you know, guys. I got this part-time gig at this place. I'm starting baseball season. I can't do it. Are you? I know you guys interested. And he's like, Don, I, I understand you really like opiates, so maybe you should come to work here. <laughs> no, this could be right up your alley. He somehow didn't know. Like they didn't put – two and two wasn't put together or maybe the, the thought that I would actually go as far as to steal – like it didn't enter his mind. I don't know what anyone was thinking because – Somehow, some way, my parents knew I was working there. <laughs> like people knew that I had just gotten out of rehab and I was taking a job at a pharmacy. But somehow, I can I convinced them that it was going to be okay, or maybe they just like they couldn't stop. I don't know. The funny. Thing I only to worked me, there three days. The funny thing to me is like in recovery, it's every talk is about higher power and you're in the right place at the right time and all of this kind of stuff. And it's like until you get there. What are you, under the devil's power? Right. Like every move is the wrong move? Right. Every person that shows up is like giving you the wrong thing? Right. It's just and, like and, – but, but, but at the time when you're getting high, it's like they seem like great – like thank you, God. Well, well a much thank more you. spirit – yeah, there is nothing like it. When you're fucked and, 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 something and comes that, through. that door opens – that and you get what you want. You thank God. Yes. That He has you granted need it. you. You need yeah. It. Oh, wait, more than when you're sober. <laughs> when you're, oh yeah. When you're when you're sick and you have money and you've been calling your your guy for hours and he isn't picking up and then on that fi- that ring after you've called him thirty times he finally answers. There's nothing. And like it's it. on. You're like God it's almost better me. than getting. High. It's almost like better than <laughs> actually good. than getting high is yeah. the is the knowing. Okay, it's gonna be okay. I yeah. can go see this yeah. big fucking whatever. Wait, let's keep going with this. All right, so we're getting this is we're not we're even getting, there. We're getting look, look, the juicy part. Gotta, listen, no, no, no. I'm this, saying this is all good this is stuff. Point. <laughs> this is all good stuff, man. Just fucking let it happen. All right, let's all, right. Talk, let's talk. all right. So, so I I wind up getting this job at this pharmacy, right? And my job at this place is to stock. And nobody says perhaps you shouldn't work at the pharmacy. One person did, and this is a woman who I actually talked to a couple days ago who fucking. Her, She's the only one with any fucking sense in the whole fucking well, state her, of Michigan. Her, yes. Well, her dad, her dad was in recovery, and so she knew I was sick. She knew I was really. She fucked knew the up. devil you were dealing. She with. knew I was fucked up, man, and and so she was the one who, who like I remember going over to her house because she was kind of like a second mother to me. And she'd always be outside gardening, and I'd always drive by her house, and when she'd always be out there, so I'd always stop by and just fucking talk to her because I was so like lonely and just depressed and just. Knowing I was doing wrong, and having somebody that could speak knew what you were talking about a little, and she would, and she never judged, and it was something that I couldn't tell my like talk to my parents about, and and you know Teddy eventually I could talk to, I had some other friends eventually, but at this time I was I was in it totally alone, totally alone because nobody was doing yeah, the no, shit I was fucking doing, man, and I was 
sort of conscious of that, but I was sort of like, I'm just a fucking drug addict. And I'm, and even then at 17 years old, I said, I'm not going to live past 25. So that was the mindset I had starting then. So Because you're like, like, nobody else is even doing this. I'm like, no. Dude, I, I remember in Catholic school, my friends would come down to the city. I lived in the city in Boston to come hang out and do what we used to do, which was like, we'd get 40s and drink it in this alley and hang out. And it was like, we were, it was so badass. And I had already started smoking crack. And I was, oh going to Ro- I was going to Roxbury, hanging out, smoking crack. And my buddies from Catholic school were like, Chris, where are you? I'm like, nothing. Like, nothing. I was hanging out. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> How old were you then? 18. I mean, but st- I mean still. You, yeah, senior you're smoking school, crack yeah. at any – I mean, yeah. 18, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was like there was – I was so alone too. Dig, I got, yeah. Because yeah. you're so extreme. You're so off the rails. And then eventually people kind of catch up to you. And I think that that's part of the joy of going to AA and NA is you, you go in there. People? You meet other people and you're like, I'm not the only sick, <laughs> fucked up, yeah. like lost soul that there is. There's all these other people. And that guy's even worse than I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that guy. I don't, so, I don't know, DJ. I've met a lot of people. I don't think I've ever met anybody worse than <laughs> Except Chris. And the fact Chris that I laugh about Chris it. Is, Chris is the only one. <laughs> well, no, Teddy said – didn't Teddy say something similar? Like when you and I met, he was like, yeah, you he, guys are going to get along. He told me that before I met you. Yeah. I'm just joking. You're, no. not, you're not the worst one I've ever met. Are you kidding me? Every, we all do the same fucking thing. It, it is. And it's and not – we don't all, but there is a population within – The population. Within right. the population that just – it's like a, a whole other thing. It is. And like – it, you are, you know, and I don't want to sound fucking hokey, but you are not alone. Yeah. Or as, or as Chris would say, you are not terminally I, unique. unique. Oh, I love. Yeah. I listen to this guy Earl H all the time, and he has the craziest fucking. Story. I actually emailed him our podcast. He's like a like a circuit speaker. I, and I have his email address, and his is like one of the worst stories I've ever heard. Okay. And he always says he's like, listen, he's like, you've heard my story. He's like, I'm telling you firsthand that what I did. It's like playing in the sandbox compared to some people in the room. Right. And they, they are a rarity, but there's always somebody who's just like, should have been dead a thousand times. Right. You know what I mean? Okay, we're back. Right. We're back, back to the story. Farm. Back to the story. Yeah, back to the story. Earl S. That's such an Earl A, H, a Earl name. H. Earl H. Yeah. Earl. Earl. Earl, Hightower. <laughs> Earl Hightower. He, he gives his full name. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a real like, Is he a that's paid a real speaker? Fucking, no, it's not, but he has something called Hightower Associates, um, which is a sober companion business uh, based out of Southern California. There's some money in that, man. Because some people, like, I could have used a sober companion yeah. during this time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I could have been used somebody who, like, but I had no interest, man. So I um, so I get this job at this pharmacy. You didn't know. You were uneducated. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. You were, you were a kid. Yeah. You, you were a kid, and nobody knew what the fuck you were dealing no, with. Yeah, they didn't. And, and it just gets so much worse too which is the thing i mean this is like i mean so anyway so so he's still going with the story and just to set it up again we're just getting to the meat of it this is the best part <laughs> we're not even, yeah yeah okay so so i get the job i get the job at, at, the, at the pharmacy and um and i'm a stocker so i stock all the candy all the products and i stock the empty bottles in the pharmacy and I, when they, when they told Wait, me that, what do you mean you stock the empty bottles? So down in like the in the drawers yeah. is where they keep the empty pill bottles. Yeah. Right. And so I would go back into storage. So and, you were allowed to go back into like yes. the pharmacy, and area. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't. So that was when 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 they let me back in there. I was like, holy shit! I was like, this is gonna be easier than I fucking thought. Yeah. It's like Willy Wonka. <laughs> because my whole th- what I was actually thinking going you found into the it, chocolate river. Yes. <laughs> I found the golden ticket. I found the <laughs> So, so 
I because I thought I was like it's it's a pharmacy there, so there's gonna be like expi- like shit that they throw out. I just thought that through osmosis I was gonna be able to get pills because I'm working around a pharmacy. Yeah, I didn't actually plan pretty, pretty on. Good <laughs> I didn't actually plan on doing what I did. So what I did was the second day. So the first day I get the lay of the land, right? I know I'm coming back the next day. It, it took everything inside of me not to that first day. Well, actually, that first day I did do one shady thing. There was a pill sitting on the fuck. This is actually funny. I just remembered this. There's a pill sitting on the counter, and this this woman pharmacist is showing me around, right? And this pill's probably been sitting there for years, right? Yeah. It's just this pill just sitting there that probably fell on the ground. They stuck it there. So for, but in my head, I thought they won't notice it. Yeah, you know what I mean. But the, but they stand there every day. And so I just grab it. I put it in my mouth. Yeah. I don't even look at what it is. <laughs> but but listen to this. This is that should be like the test pill when they hire. That should be. That's what they should be like the test pill when they hire a new person. Right. Exactly. Cyanide, just in case. Yeah. But listen. This is what happened when I bit into it because I used to chew all my pills. Yeah. Of course, I knew immediately it was Seroquel because I oh, I got all fucking tired. Yes. And I was passing out by the end Hold of my first shift. This is amazing. <laughs> you this see is, a pill. You're like, I think I'm going to chew this pill up. <laughs> and it's a major tranquilizer. It's that's like, what, that's a class. Antipsychotic. bitter. Not too sweet. I think it's Seroquel. But I'm still going to fucking <laughs> swallow like, this is brand Seroquel. Dude, well, well, how do you from... recognize the taste of Seroquel? Because I was... Dude, I was... he chewed them. And I was a pill head. I... I was on. I've been on many, every antidepressant. I've been on every antipsychotic. On. I've been on every fucking painkiller. Okay, every antipsychotic. So you're saying if I if I could go to the pharmacy and get, I would not know how many. Of course not. But how many pills do you think you could recognize by taste? Five or six. And yeah. you? None. No, right? no. I, I could do. I could do clonopin, Xanax, Ativan. I could do like like, like it in chewing an extended release Adderall. It's like about it. Yes, clonopins. Yeah. I would chew. Oh, Suboxone yeah. any day. Oh yeah, week, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Any any idiot. Ted used to get Suboxone. the instant release uh, Adderall, ten milligram. He was on Adderall for no, dude. Adderall. I was on I was on one hundred and twenty milligrams I of so regular release Adderall from the age I was thirteen till I was twenty. Holy shit! Yep. Did you ever same doctor? That? What are you talking about? <laughs> Life, dude. I am so That's bad. That's why he has a podcast so called Dopey. Yeah. Well, dude, I was so bad. I'd go to college and I'd sell all my Adderall because I can get so much money. Right. And then I'd buy you Adderall. Right. Yeah. So I'd, pay, I'd pay more for it. Yeah. Dude, oh my God, dude. That's the best. That makes, but yeah, it makes so much sense. But right, sometimes. So you, so you eat the Seroquel. So I eat the Seroquel. And and I kind of know what's coming. Oh, wait, just so you know, also a little side note because you probably know dosages. I at one point in my life, from the same doctor, was prescribed every day four milligrams of clonopin, thirty-two milligrams of suboxone, and twelve hundred milligrams of Seroquel. Oh my god! I took what four awesome uh, four times a day. I would take three hundred milligrams of Seroquel, one milligram of clonopin, and eight milligrams of suboxone. I was in a, like a, a glorified psych ward. I was going to say, were you passed out the whole fucking well, time? Yeah, so I kept on. I used to flip out there. I create a oh. big ruckus, and they come in and they give you a shot of Haldol and Ativan. Sure. So I purposely would get very aggressive, and the orderlies would tie you down into five point restraints and give you an right. injection. So the doctor was like, "His aggression's out of control," and I am the He's least hurt aggressive. Somebody. Right, so they just medicated the fuck out of me. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. You keep sick, motherfucker. But I can totally relate to that, man. Yeah. That's like, I get it, 100. <laughs> percent All right, is, so keep going. So you, all right, so I know. So, okay, so I'm following this pharmacist around, and I'm already a little bit shaded out because I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have taken that pill. So I was a little bit paranoid. So then my thinking is, 
and they didn't notice. And so I'm learning like what drawers to fill the drawers in, and I'm casing the place. So I'm looking up. So the and one of the first things I fucking noticed is it wasn't even it didn't say hydrocodone. It said Vicodin. 500, 500 milligram, five milligram, because it's 500. Five, five, 500, yeah. Yeah. And it's a thousand pills. It's a, it's a Costco-sized <laughs> fucking bottle of pills. Costco-sized, bro. I've never even seen that. You know what I mean? That's a thing that few addicts ever get to glimpse on. <laughs> I think Literally I, the pharmacy bottle. I think I, like, pissed my pants a little bit or maybe ejaculated. <laughs> I'm not sure. But so that's, like, the first thing I saw, and I'm like, that. I'm like that's it. I was like – but I still kind of looked around. There was a bottle of baclofen right below it. I don't know if you guys ever fuck with baclofen. No. Jack's listened to a podcast today. They're actually using baclofen to treat addicts. In, really? in low doses, it, 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 it like kills cravings apparently. That's what they're saying. Um, and I've actually used it and I can attest it. But anyway, that's, that's another thing. But yeah. So there's the baclofen. So, so I see the Viking. I'm like, that's, that's it. And at this time, you know, I, I was really into like oxys and stuff like that obviously, yeah. which is a much better high. But I was like, with a thousand Vicodin, <laughs> you, could do some you know, damage. yeah, man, I could. I Not could, to mention how many Vicodins you just sell to buy more Vicodins. Yeah, and well, you're and just I going to kill yourself on acetaminophen. You're going to destroy and, your liver. Oh, ex- exactly. <laughs> and I had already kind of become aware of that because yeah. from, I mean, you take ten Vicodin, you get a stomachache. Yeah, you could, you could technically like take a hundred Vicodin for hydrocodone, but you can't take that much acetaminophen. No, they have no. so much Tylenol. And right? I learned that I would get these killer stomach aches and yeah. just yeah. feel Did like... Did you ever get into the cold water filtration thing? No. Because the, the, the Tylenol isn't, doesn't dissolve in water. So if you crush it up and you put it in water, the hydrocodone dissolves in the water and the Tylenol doesn't. And then you pour it in a coffee filter and you filter out the acetaminophen, and then you can boil the water and just get hydrocodone powder. Dude, I see. I saw some guys do Maybe that. Maybe Notre Dame is still hiring. <laughs> you can hook it up. <laughs> Jesus, I wish I would have known that, man. Yeah, and well, it doesn't I work mean, as easy as I said. It's like you have to do it several times. Well, I looked it up on the internet to try and figure it out. It just By the way, too complicated. DJ, yeah. you are Chris's wet dream. <laughs> I've never seen him so happy to hear a story. Cause That's because you're speaking the language of love for him. <laughs> Fucking dosages sick, and long man. pill names. We are sick, man. Fucking look at him. You see hearts in his eyes. But when you come, you know what, though? Teddy, he knows all this stuff. Teddy, oh, yeah. knows, Teddy knows it better than everyone. He does because yeah. his mom had a pharmacy. Yeah. And, he, his, and his stepdad. She owned a pharmacy. No, she, she had a was prescribed a pharmacy. Yeah. Her, her like husband, legitimately prescribed. Oh, Teddy's stepdad was a surgeon. Which we finish the story. Yeah, you're back to the fucking 500 We've got emails that we need to stay on track more. Oh, really? Okay, let me finish the story then. All right. All right, so I, I, you know, who cares if we fuck them? We well, do that's, we that's want. an audience. No, no, listen, listen. I love the dopey nation. Dopey nation, stay strong. <laughs> However, we we have to have flow. Yes. Like they want longer episodes. This okay. is really fun. Yeah. So, but we're back to the five hundred. Vicodin. Yeah, no, he just took the Seroquel, the Vicodin. Oh, no, no, the Seroquel already faded. Yeah. Okay. So this is day two. No, this is the first day. Okay. So the first day, I take the Seroquel. And by the end of the shit, you know, so I see the Viking up there. I somehow finish up the shift. It's another hour long, but I'm already, I'm already nodding out. Like I'm nodding on the job because I think it, if memory um, is correct, it was a 300 milligram Seroquel. That's so a lot. It was a red one. Yeah. And, and, and yeah especially, knocked, if especially if you don't take it. Yeah. Like, oh, and I did. Yeah. yeah I had taken it for it. Yeah. So it knocked me on my ass. So by the end of the shift, I'm, I'm on the nod. So they had to have known this guy was was shady, like for sure. And if they didn't, they probably noticed this because the the pharmacy was very small. It's a privately owned pharmacy. So anyways, I come in the next day, right? And I so I bring the box back and I'm 
you know, I've got it planned out. What I'm going to do is, and well, you bring the what is the box? So it's a big box of empty pill. pill oh, you're containers. restocking things. Yes, yeah, so I'm still I'm restocking. Leave so, it open. Leave it open. So what I do is it, is it too loud? It's on quiet. There? So there's so there's three pharmacists back there at the time, and the way that it's set up is is it's like it's like a square, and in the middle is like all the shelves with all the stuff, and then it, and then it's on the shelves on the outside. So it's like I had to kind of wait until there wasn't someone in view. And what I did was I took the, I stood underneath the Vicodin and there happened to be a drawer right there. And this is a big bottle of Vicodin. I mean, it's a jumbo size, but it was like just above where my head is. Right. And so I kind of waited until I thought was the right time. And I reached up and I grabbed it real quick and I put it into the box with the empty, with the empty pill bottles. Yeah. And then I asked, act nonchalantly cause I'm a good, you know, fucking junkie. I play it and I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm a great employee. Yeah. I play it cool. <laughs> and I'm stock, I stock everything up. I'm trying to hold back my giddiness and excitement because I've just I've got a just thousand the weight just the weight of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know how you went home the first day without taking it, and I don't know how you slept that first night. Oh, I did take it. Oh, the first day immediately. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, well, you took it on the first day. No, oh, oh how I didn't take the bottle. Yeah. I thought you meant once I stole it. No, it's it took two. a lot of self-restraint. When, when you came home, were you just like twiddling your finger? Tomorrow yeah. I'm oh, yeah. I don't Tomorrow think I will be mine. Well, no, I Tomorrow. slept because I was all fucked up on yeah. a Seroquel. Maybe I, that's why I didn't go through it. When you thing. woke up in the morning, you're like, good morning. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to work. I have a date with the bottle of Vicodin. Yes, pretty much. I love how we're saying it took a lot of self-restraint for him to make it one day without <laughs> stealing medication. Well, but you guys, I didn't even know that they were going to let me back into where all the pills were. Because so of it was, your Seroquel. Well, no. When I first when I started the job on day one, I didn't know I was going to be stocking pill bottles inside the pharmacy. Seems I didn't like it I should be advanced. In, I bet you that's like a, a private farm. I mean, a privately owned pharmacy. I bet you in CVS or Dwayne, you don't they do, don't have oh, a stock boy going not. back absolutely there. I bet not. you in that one they don't anymore. Oh yeah, I'm sure they don't. <laughs> okay, so listen. So I so I I put the Viking in the box, and then. It, and then I also, for whatever reason, I reached up. I grabbed the baclofen too. Because so back in my head was like a, was like an anti anxiety and like you know I knew I like Xanax and all that. Mm. I never even heard so, of baclofen. No, it's like it's like a muscle. You've relaxer. never heard of like Visteral or is it a muscle relaxer? It's a muscle relaxer, but it has anti, it's like it's like Camprol and Ativan mixed together. Oh, okay. Kind of and can't pull can't. So, anyways, I'm wait, is it in the same like class as like Scalaxin and Somas and shit? Yes. Okay. Yes, but Flexerol. Yeah, it's yeah. like Flexerol, yeah. but it has um, it had more of a of a narcotic. It did something because Flexerol and selects I mean, selects and don't do anything. Soma sort of do something. A little bit. Yeah. They more just knock you out. This Baclofen was a was a decent high. Um, especially it was a nice little kicker to the Viking. Yeah, I need a little. I need a little variety. <laughs> I knew I was getting a thousand, but I need to mix it up. So I get so I so so, I, so it was at the end of the shift. So I have the the Vicodin and the fucking. Baclofen. So I have 1,100 pills in yeah. this box, basically. And I brought my school backpack with me, with you know, because I'm in high, fucking high school. And so I'm 17. So the next... Was it an L.L. Bean? I don't know. A Jansport, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, it was a Jansport. Yeah, it was probably a Jansport. Yeah. But I, um, I had purposely not brought many books home because I had known I was going to get this bottle of Vicodin. And I didn't think... Because I knew I was going to have to put the bottle into the backpack to get it. No, I didn't because I also... When I was stocking, I would get the empty pill bottles. Like when the pharmacy would order pills, they'd come in the bottles that said what it was. Like this Vicodin, it said Vicodin on it and it had like all the ingredients. Like it wasn't like a 
like a an orange pill bottle. It was like a like yeah, a it, was like, it was a yeah, like the it was what the, the doctor the like, white things yeah, like what and the it says like gelatin, get. even like every little thing that's in the pill exactly yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was that. So I knew I was gonna have to dispose of that. So I put I put it in my backpack with the baclofen. And once I got outside, I went next to the restaurant next door, and I poured all the pills out into my backpack, yeah. and then I went out to the dumpster. Just, just empty. The pills just empty into all the, the pills bags. into my backpack, yeah. yeah. And I disposed of the carton. So, I, so I'm, I'm home free. But I've, of course, I, I took – I think I took 10 right off the rip and like two yeah. back of it. Yeah. You know, of course, because 10 <laughs> bike is nothing. Especially yeah. 500. It's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, so then – so yeah, I'm like singing and dancing. And I get home. And I find this fucking shoebox to store them in. It wasn't a shoebox. It was actually a watch case. Okay. Um, but it was pretty large. I mean it was it was big enough to fit most of the pills. It couldn't fit all a thousand. It was like what a Rolex would come in, like a big – like a fancy watch case? Yeah, but it was yeah. a fossil watch case because I got a fossil that year for Christmas. So there was probably – I think it fit maybe 500 pills, right? <laughs> and so – Convenient because you had 500 pills. Well, had I had 1,000. Yeah. Oh, okay. and, I stored, and I stored the other – I had 1,000 from – it was an industrial-sized bottle of 1,000. Well, I had 990 because I had taken a ton of them. <laughs> so what did you do with the other 500? I stashed them somewhere else in my room that I was eventually found. So, okay. So this was March 13th. So the next day at school – Wait. Did you go back to the pharmacy a third day? Listen. I'll get to that. <laughs> so this is March 13th that this happened. Yeah. March 14th, I go to school. I go to school. I'm wearing a shirt like this, a, a button-up. My entire top pocket is full of Vicodin. Just the pills just <laughs> chilling in my pocket. Throughout the entire day, I'm just ta- just throughout the day just fucking taking pills. Like it's like it's Skittles. And I get fucked up. Like like I had I mean, give any addict that many pills and they're gonna overdo it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I had a terrible stomach ache because it was so much fucking Tylenol. Yeah. It got to the point where I couldn't take them anymore because I I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> but I went home and my parents like knew something was I mean, they could just look at me and they're like What's this guy is you? fucked out of his yeah. mind. And and of course, they know I'm working at the pharmacy, so it, it's not very difficult to put two and two together. So the next day, March 15th, is my 18th birthday, right? Yeah. I go to school, sit, and I'm supposed to go back. To Another pocket full day. of pills. Yeah, pocket full of pills, absolutely, just eating them, eating them. So comes the end of the day, right? I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready to walk out of school to go to work, yeah. right? It's, and it's March 15th. It was my birthday. I'm fucking high as shit. And I see my mom walking in towards the school, and in her hand is this this watch box that I have all the pills in. Oh my god, dude! That was and I and and I, at that moment I just said, done. I said, I'm fucked. You're like, at least I still have the other 500 in the room. Well, so that's your first fucking. At fuck. that at that moment, well, yeah, there was absolutely. I was like, exactly, and they were hidden really good. I had them up my closet. Like, all right, I still have something. Yeah, ex- well, but I didn't. So, and she didn't even say anything to me. And I, and just the look on her face was just what was distraught. she bringing me to school for? So just He's listen. There. He's listen. <laughs> so she says, "Come with me." And for a second, Wait, I who thought, says "Come with you"? My mom. Okay. And I, for a second, I'm like, "Should I fucking run?" I'm like, "No, where am I going to go? I'm 18 years like, what am <laughs> I going to do?" Yeah. I'm like, "Fuck." I'm like, "All right." So I follow her, and we go into the office. We go into the guidance counselor office. This guy that I had met with before after I got out of rehab, he's, you know, a drug counselor. Yeah. My dad's sitting in there. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in his fucking suit and he looks – I don't know if he – he – he what – I I can still see his face and he wasn't – he wasn't pissed because my dad, I would do something fucked up and he'd get pissed and he would, yeah. he would yell. 
he was scared. Yeah, yeah, I you know, I mean? I know it, that it exact. Was, there, it was there like was a the, change with my parents too. When I'm from like being punitive to like kind of like pleading, like don't kill yourself. Well, right, yeah. and they're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it was like it was like the, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. But it's like I'm not mad, I'm just fucking scared shitless. Terrified. And like, Terrified. and this is so okay. So I go into this tiny counselor's office and I sit down in the chair, and my my dad stood up and he sits. He sits um, – no, I'm in the chair all the way close to the door, right? My mom's sitting there. My dad got up and, and hugged me or whatever. He's sitting there and my drug counselor sitting across the desk. And it's a tiny office and, and they're – the first thing I say is, you know, where would you get these pills? And I said – didn't say anything at first. I was just trying to think of how I was going to play it. <laughs> what pills? <laughs> yeah, right. right. What pills? Right. Yeah. I've never seen those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I didn't. And so I said, well, you know, I was at work the other day and I was taking the empty pills out to the dumpster and I found, you know, this bottle of pills that had gotten thrown away. I think they're expired. And they said, they said, no, it's not true. They're like, I don't, I don't remember exactly what they yeah. said, but they basically said this bullshit. <laughs> And I said, so the thing is on the, where, where's the pills? They show them to you. They're like, the pills are sitting on the desk in the, okay. dr- and they're opened up and it's yeah. like, they're glistening in the fucking sunlight. I'm like, God, like a treasure chest. Yeah. yeah. And then at that time they noticed the pills in my pocket and they made me all take them out and put them in the fucking box. Yeah. And my counselors just look, they're all just kind of looking at me in disbelief and it's quiet. And finally I'm like, uh, I know. And I, and I, that was my story. I was like, I found them out in the dumpster. And, and, and I wouldn't admit it. Yeah. And they're like, we know that's not what happened. And, and finally my drug counselor's like, I got a call from the pharmacy and they, they have you on tape on camera stealing these pills. Yeah. We know you took them. Yeah. Just admit it. Yeah. And then that's finally when I was just, when it kind of hit me and I was like, reality sunk in. You know, like when something would happen when you're getting high and so, and it's so bad and you're so fucked that you almost can't comprehend it. It's almost like this can't be real. I'm in it. I got to be in a dream. Yeah. Because you know that your entire the Somebody whole course of your life, life is going to change. Yeah. It's like the first time you're arrested. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember. I, yeah. I remember the first time I got arrested. Um, I had like an ounce of weed in my pocket and a bong in the other pocket. And the cops like <laughs> bong in your pocket. Yeah. I was wearing an army jacket with four four pockets. Okay. And he reaches into one and he pulls out an envelope and he goes, "What is that?" And I said, "It's mail." <laughs> but he's open. And he yeah. opens it, and I'm like, "We're going to jail," yeah. you know. And at that, I know exactly what you're talking. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. just like there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Yeah. And so he says, and it goes from total resistance to, to total surrender, submission, yeah, and acceptance, yeah. Ex- and, and yeah, and exactly. And it's like, okay, there's I, I don't know. What are you gonna do to me now? What is gonna happen to yeah. my dumbass? Uh, right, because I'm I'm total like. And I was eight, I, you know, I was, I was, it was my 18th birthday, but I was still living with my parents. I was still very much, I wasn't independent in any way, shape or form. So it's like, whatever they say, I'm going to do. Like, I'm not going to like leave home right now. And you know that's I mean? the moment you're like, why am I so stupid? Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't I, believe I, I fucking did this. It's my fucking 18th birthday. Like why, how did this happen? happen? So, so the day so, before it was the most exciting right, prospect right, ever. Right. And now it's like, right. I'm so right. See, I always, I start these like. Magical things in my head where I'm like, God, if I could just go back, I'm like, maybe if I right. think I can, I can maybe go if I back wouldn't have hit the pills it. there, take a little bit less. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so you're in the office. So I'm in the office. Why did I use the fossil watch box? <laughs> right. Of course, they <laughs> right. were. Of course, they were gonna look at that because I knew my mom checked my room too, and I I didn't even hide in that well. The box. 
I, it's like the type of hiding where it's like inconspicuous, so you think that like it'll hiding get overlooked. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was that sort of thing. But um, so he goes. They have you on tape. They've called. You know, they've called the police. They alerted me because I happened to be good friends with the owner of the pharmacy, yeah. and they they reached out to me out of respect for me knowing that you're a student here. Yeah. And they said, and he said, and and he said that, and I'm just like looking. I'm I'm just thinking like how I'm going to play this. What I'm going to do. And after he said it was shortly thereafter, nothing was said. It was it was quiet for a minute, and I got this great idea. I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna run, right? So I was just gonna run, and in my head I was like, I'm gonna fucking take the rest of these pills. I'm gonna kill myself, and then everybody will feel bad, and I'll just get out of this. And I'll win. Yeah, yeah, that'll be it. I know I'm gonna be dead soon, anyways. I'll just save everybody. You know, the, yeah. you know, that's how I'm gonna get out of this. Yeah. So so I'm sitting there in this fucking tiny office. And I go to grab the pills and I grab the pills and I kind of get up and I kind of shift in my chair and I grab the door and I, and I grab it open and it opens up about a foot because my dad's fucking chair is blocking it. Is that his plan? <laughs> I don't know if it was his plan, but yeah. there was no – if you're looking at the situation, there's no way physically possible that that, dare, that, that door could get open. But, but I just – it was like I thought some so – out of pure like willpower, I was going to like – you know, move your father. Yeah, move my yeah my huge dad. What did they and do? Roll out. What? It was it was kind of this like pathetic where like he didn't even have to like really move like he just sat there and it was kind of like the most pathetic sort of like. And you're swinging the door open this dramatic thing and you go yeah you and know, then, yeah and I'm still kind of trying to like and then and then and then that's when he got mad he goes sit down yeah. like he used to do and yeah. and that, and I was just like okay I'm fucked and that's yeah. kind of when I gave up and I was like. And and he says he says, listen, this is the deal. He goes, they're not going to press charges if you go to rehab right now. And I was like you said, I was thinking about those pills in the room. You know, they had already taken the pills off me yeah. from my pocket. So, and you know how that is—the thought of like you don't have anything. I don't anymore. have anything. It's over. It's done. It's a sudden. Just the, the best way to go into rehab is when you're like you have to have a conscious last blowout. Oh, absolutely. But when it's just sprung on you, it's so I'm not hard. ready. Absolutely. Right. I'm not right. ready. Let me go home in my room for a few hours. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And my mom goes, you know, we pack clothes. You're, you're going. You're going right now to this to this rehab. And it happened to be my 18th birthday, so I could go to an adult rehab. Yeah. So I fucking Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> listen to this. And listen to this. That between that date and now, that's the third time I went to rehab on my birthday. The third time. Oh my god. Well, let's hear, Chris. How many birthdays nuts. have you spent in rehab? Oh, I've spent. I think I've spent five re- rehabs or birthdays in rehab. But that was the third time on the actual day of my birthday, March fifteenth. I went into rehab. Oh my god, that's wild, dude. That's how many? Wild. How many birthdays? Because you've been in rehab nine times. I, right? I don't know. Over like fifteen, over a dozen. Yeah. Um, they. I one time. I don't know that statistic, but I know that one time I spent five New Years and four Christmases. In a row, in either inpatient rehab or jail. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I went into my first inpatient, like, December 31st, and then for the next five New Year's, I was in either jail or inpatient Oh, my God. I got out of Mountainside. Then my last day of Mountainside uh, was on my birthday. Yeah. But that's a great story, isn't it, dude? Uh, My favorite is just opening the door and you're dead. And then even if we really want to delve into it, think about, like, you know what I mean? The symbolism there. Your dad. Like, oh, yeah. The rock. Oh, yeah. Blocking your exit to your death plan. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And he was a big guy. And I mean. It reminds me of a cartoon character 
like that's trying to run away, and the other cartoon character picks him up, and the legs are still oh, yeah. going. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, that's by the tail. Yeah, <laughs> and it was that sort of thing, man. I was ready to just go. But and the just... question is, did they ever find the other pill? They did. Oh, you're... they sacked my room, okay, man. Okay. They sacked it, and and I had like weed. I had some other stuff, like you know, empty alcohol containers and all that. So that was my first. That was my second rehab, but that was my first adult rehab. And I would go to that rehab another three, another, another two times, another local treatment center three times, and then another um, outdoor kind of. Grey Wolf. I went to yeah. Grey Wolf. I went to Dawn Farm. I mean, I've been to over ten re- rehabs. I hate to put the damper on the fun here. However, we talked about you two episodes ago. Yeah, I told them. I said you should listen to it. <laughs> and it's been brought up. That you are on methadone. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, that well, is a, okay, that is so fact. there's some clarification. I accidentally deleted an episode. I'm not supposed to be eating on this thing, everyone says, but I actually. <laughs> You've been, that's been feedback? Know. No, yeah, that's been for me. Oh, okay. I, do all, I get all the negative eats, feedback. Really? He eats, he eats Vietnamese. Dude, he gets fucking bars of chocolate and dips them in Skippies. <laughs> <laughs> During the podcast? Yeah. Sometimes. I, I might have been known to do Well, that. it's the end of the night, so you're hungry, you're like doing your thing. Listen, I, we I, should I, read the email after that, after the methadone talk. My, my best. Uh, episode. My favorite. It's like my favorite story. It wasn't really a drug story. It was like I snuck into Madison Square. Well, that's still on. That's but, live. Yeah. But okay. The whole story. I'm eating an entire Indian meal. <laughs> I'm eating cauliflower and potatoes. We literally had a guy. Bread. We'll read it later. We literally had a guy email disgusting. us and be like, "I use really high quality earphones." And I listen to this at work, and he's like, it's totally disgusting listening to Dave masticating on his food. <laughs> masticating <laughs> this fucking cocksucker, who, like you, is on methadone. He's a great guy. I, I personally really like him. He's a great guy. But we just need to give you feedback a couple times. CJ yeah. or DJ? CJ. Right. And DJ. Uh, listen. I, I, listen, it hurts me that this motherfucker called me out for eating on the podcast. So we always know, ask for constructive criticism. Yeah, but I don't really want it. Just because <laughs> I asked for it doesn't mean I want it. The fact it. that you're getting feedback and people are listening and responding is cool in itself. And I it's think awesome. It's great. It's I awesome. think it's a great thing you guys are doing. Dude, you can look at the analytics and we've been listened to in 46 out of 50 states. Listen, don't hurt, your arm, don't hurt your arm patting our back. We have a guy on methadone here struggling here. Okay, but my point was this. Okay, so the last episode, the one before the last episode, the original Dopey 31, we recorded with my friend Dave, and I accidentally deleted it, which I told you about. After you drove an hour and a half down. and Yeah, but the first 20 minutes of the episode, Dave and I are at each other's throats arguing about maintenance fight. therapy. And like, he's saying, like, okay. he, he's against it, and I'm pro. I am not against it. I think a lot of people abuse it, but I just do think. I'm not against it. Yeah. I'm not against it at all. Yeah. I think it's it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, it, it prevents robberies. Yeah. It keeps people stable. Yeah. However, in my history, yeah. and and I could and I was on methadone, maybe a total of seven and a half years. Yeah. Continually, I'm yeah. not speaking like out of the side of my no, fucking no, no, mouth. I, hear you. I, hear I was you. at the fucking clinic yeah. with these guys. Yeah. Right. Can I get my take home? No, you got to get me tested. <laughs> hey, Brenda, I, I thought I didn't need to get tested. I thought I could get three take homes today. Can I pee tomorrow? Can I, can I pee tomorrow? I think my shit will be clean tomorrow, Brenda. <laughs> I, I, I all named Brenda. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good name. Yeah. You know you know that voice? You go to methadone in Manhattan. Say, fucking, can I pee tomorrow again? Hey, you think I can pee tomorrow? Because I, <laughs> I can't go right now. <laughs> I, I, I fucking... 
Uh, yeah, man, you're around terrible people who are doing I'm the wrong thing. Not terrible, not terrible people. people. No, that's the wrong way Fucking to put it. Fucking methadonians. Yeah. <laughs> but but my point Sick is people. my point. It's no judgment. My sure. only thing is that when I was on methadone. I could not stop using other drugs. It was impossible for me. Um, And I was on a crazy high dosage and I would figure out ways, you know, I I had a thing where I would use two days a week so that when I pissed, I could piss clean so I could keep my take home. Sure. Like I would finagle this shit every which way so I'd have bottles in my fridge and then I could trade bottles for something else and I could always get bags and I could always get pills and it wasn't you know you weren't doing the right thing you weren't using it for the right not everybody does that and I just think it helps save lives and that there's some people who use it wrong and some people use it right and it can be a tool that can keep someone alive long enough to find recovery and some people do stay on it six months or a year eventually taper off of it and maybe even work a program while they're on it and I and I agree with that, but my my opinion of it, I think that it's it's almost an outdated tool. Yeah. And I think that because what's happened is it wasn't well, designed for long term use. And yeah. I think Suboxone and methadone. The same are two thing. Different. Inter- well, I think they're two different things though, because I think that methadone, for one, it ha- I think I I mean I've heard that Suboxone is harder to kick than methadone, and yeah. they're they're essentially the same thing. But the thing about if you're on Suboxone, you can't use other drugs yeah. because then naltrexone in it. So to me, Suboxone yeah. I mean, is more use, effective well, you that can way. use Coke and – You and, can't use dope. You can't use I mean, dope, yeah. yeah I was on Suboxone for two years. Okay. And like the first time I ever experienced anything like recovery was while I was on Suboxone. Sure. But then in Dave's um, defense or whatever and his – supports his viewpoint that I – for a year, like I kind of worked a recovery program and then I started shooting Coke and doing everything else sure. while on Suboxone. And you – Yeah. Yeah. And I mean – and, and methadone – it's just it's, it's a, a slippery slope. We were, we were at the, a slippery slope. This was a very cordial conversation. Like the dopey nation missed out with me and Dave. You in, guys went we out. We were pretty, insult yeah. hurling. Fucking. He Chris. stepped up in my personal life. He started casting aspersions about me and who I am as a human being. Wow, <laughs> that's not even what fucking happened. That's a good word. <laughs> Can I tell you what really happened? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I wish we could you. play <laughs> the fucking clip. He fucking all of a sudden he's like his chest comes out. <laughs> oh boy. He goes, Dave. My life is dedicated to helping people. And I, and I don't want to do what you do. <laughs> Meaning, like, what I do to wow. feed my fucking family. You know, and But then you one upped it too. Oh, yeah. and I just Seinfeld like, and like oh, yeah. my daddy giving me checks. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's very spoiled. It barely works. He, you know, I sort of work. <laughs> barely, barely. But on. he is doing good things and he's a good guy. He's not. Chris, Chris is a, a one. I wish. Guy. I wish. As are you. That, like, listen. I, I don't wish, know you that well, but <laughs> I wish I know you're a good guy. we had that fight because it was fucking. It was mad. And you should have seen his face. The best was our friend Dave. He came in from Connecticut. He and he's to, sitting in between us. Well, and we hit record, and it just instantly started. And, and he's, he's just like, kind of sitting there, like, Dad, oh. stop fighting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> it, was just, it was fucking madness. But and then we're both trying to like convince him to agree with us. I'm like, well, what about this Dave? Like, right. This is, his name is also Dave. So I was like, what about this Dave? Like, don't you agree with that? And then Dave, this Dave is like, well, what about this? What about this? But you know, the fight to win him over. Yeah. The, the, the thing was though that for some reason Chris got possessed by an evil spirit as soon as we hit record and it's good that that episode is lost no I liked it dude I thought it was great it's gone I know it's It's gone gone. it's damn you data rescue 4 it didn't work 
50 bucks for Listen, data rescue for Dopey Nation, if you know how to fucking recover a lost uh, garage band With a file, solid state drive. That's something. I guess if you have a solid state drive, Let harder. us know. Um, and you can hear that fight. Yeah. What is your legendary fight? But more importantly, because maybe I'm the one who actually cares about helping people. Wow. <laughs> what are you going to do? How are you going to get off this stuff? What's the plan? So the plan is is to, to wean off, and and it, and you like you said, like we were talking before, we you know the show that you, you know, you got off of it, and you were on it for seven and a half years. I've been on it for three and a half. It's a miracle to get off of it. It's the best, and then you fucking you never look back. Yeah, you never fucking look back at that methadone. Because well, it's interesting to me that you told me I'd lose this belly when I get off of it because I've had this belly for for. Three and a half years from the methadone, and I can't get rid of it, man. I mean, I don't eat great, you know, but but that's I've part never, of it it's too. never been like this. Don't you crave sweets? Oh my god, you know, like constantly. My girlfriend is trying to get me to, to eat well, and, and I eat, there's a I eat ice cream almost every night, man, because I just I like fucking need it, dude. dude it's you know just what? I, like I need it when I was on methadone, and I would go to the supermarket. I would literally. I would buy one Entenmann's golden fudge cake, one Entenmann's chocolate cake with marshmallows. That was like lunch. <laughs> Dinner was one pint of chocolate chocolate chip ice cream and one pint of vanilla chocolate chip ice cream. You eat two pints in one sitting? Dude, I was a beast. I would just wow. sit there watching Lost. Sure. Fucking eating pint after pint That's of ice cream. That sounds great to me, actually, and right now. Even. I mean, it does, you know, but, but you can just veg out. You can kind of be absent from life. I feel like you know I've I've been I've been weaning down slowly, and I, you know I could probably stand to to go a little bit faster. But even as long as you keep going, because the problem with that methadone thing is the program wants you on it. Well, you know, yeah. they don't. They, the counselor might agree that they want you off, but the program has so many rules set up so that if you make a misstep. You're right. back at a fucking 130. Right. It's like a fucking board game. And you sense. keep getting sent back to jail. <laughs> it's like Monopoly. It's a fucking train wreck. Dude, I remember yeah. when I was on Suboxone, and I don't know how – I've never been on methadone like you guys. But I was on Suboxone for a long time that I used to – I was taking night classes at BC, right? And I was just such a fucking wreck where I, the classes start at 6. And I had to show up literally at like 6.01. Because I knew that if I got there at like 5.55, I might have to talk to one of the students next to me. Okay. And I was just so terrified of any of any human interaction. Why? Just because I was like a, I was like untreated alcoholic. You know what I mean? Okay. I didn't want to talk to anyone. This is when I was using on Suboxone. So I'd show up at like right. 6.01 because the classes would have started. It was sure. just been starting. Right. And I would have been like technically on time. And I didn't have to talk to the people next to me. But if I showed up at like 6.05 – she would already be talking and everybody would look at me. Okay. So whenever I was a little late, I would show up there and I'd be a little late and I'd be like, fuck, like it's 6.06. Like I'm not going to go into class because everybody's going to look at me. So I'd sit in my car and I remember I'd sleep for three hours because I was living at home okay. and I was going to you school didn't go home and I didn't want to go home early and I had nothing else to do. But with the Suboxone, I remember you could I could sleep. literally fall asleep whenever I wanted That's to fall asleep. Just like that. Yeah, it was literally just whenever. So I'd sit in my car for three hours sleeping. Absolutely. I can, I can sleep. Anytime for as long as I want. I mean, at this new job, it's a desk job. I struggle. I have to drink coffee all day long to not not off because I sit there for too long. And I don't want to be like that. I've learned to function on it so that now 
you know, I have energy and, I, and I'm good. Like I've, I've been on a long enough to where I, I kind of know my body. Yeah. But it's, it, it is, it's, it's a fucking, it's a weight, it's a rock tied around my ankle. Just, just that I'm dragging that just, and, and my girlfriend says to me all the time, she, you know, she, she thinks that, that part of the reason why I'm not going off a bit faster or it's taken me this long is because I'm afraid. Of course and I should there's be. Certainly, there's you certainly should be a brain. But the way that I look at it, and, and I am, I'll admit that, and it's, it is scary. Because, it's fucking scary. But the way that I look at it is by weaning off slow enough, it's like I won't even notice. And what she says, which is an interesting point, she wishes that she could call up this place and tell them how to bring me down, but not tell me how much I'm getting. So when you go up That's to the window, That's yeah. what I did. That's what I did. You were able to blind, do that? Blind detox. And I was off it before I even knew I was off it. Which that's a thing. I'm giving you Oh, because they give you placebes. Yeah. Oh, my that God. That is what I, I need did. to do. Blind detox. That is what I need to do. You tell them, and you tell them not to tell you when it's Wait, over. can you tell your methadone 9-11 story? Is that allowed? Yeah, I can tell that story. But first, and then we got we to gotta be wrapping up. Like, yeah. Okay. We got to get back to the old lady. I do. My my wonderful girlfriend, yes. but I but you guys are close. I would definitely like to come back sometime and just sit here fucking listen. You guys, and this is your guest. <laughs> well, you, you told one story as I from what Teddy said that he he said there's Dude, an endless that, supply of oh those stories. Yeah. I was 18 at that time. I'm 27 now. Yeah. Can you say baclofen? <laughs> I wasn't even doing dope at that time. I've never just, heard kitty shit. I never heard a chemical cross Chris's plate <laughs> without him being able to go. <laughs> Right. I've never right. seen him watch a chemical float by his right. face without him knowing what it was. That is so funny. It's a fucking experience for that me. That is great. But um, yeah, let's hear the let's hear the nine eleven oh, story. The nine eleven story is very. I just sad. think it's really cool that not cool, but like interesting that, that they allow. Well, you tell it. All right. Well, just tell it real quick. Uh, it was before. It was like I don't know. I was like two. I, I was on methadone twice. One time for like. Two years and one time for like six years. Okay. Basically. I don't really remember. Two and six. So after two years, you got off of it? I went to rehab. Okay. Um, but uh, I went to detox. Uh, but it was – oh, God. It was 2001 um, and I was living in Chelsea and I had just fin- – I was a TV producer, heroin addict, and I had just finished uh, – a job at uh, MTV2, and uh, I was on unemployment. Okay. I was living in a fucking low-income, beautiful apartment. <laughs> right, and, control? Uh, low-income. That's where I grew up. Okay. Uh, but I had a, a, a sweet deal. I was paying like $300 for a, a big studio in Chelsea. Oh, my God. And, uh, and and my unemployment was like fucking, I don't know, like $300 a week. I had like maximum unemployment. And, I, and all I needed was three hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Okay. So every other dollar went to drugs. Nine hundred dollars a month, just disposable income. There was just it was just drugs. Yeah. And, and um, I don't remember the the money. I just yeah. know that rent was not hard to reach. You didn't have to work, and you were taken care of. Oh, sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and I was on methadone, and uh, it was uh, September eleventh. Yeah. Uh, Two thousand and one, uh, and I woke up in the morning. And uh, I'm like shooting dope. I'm like finishing whatever I. Oh, wait, you were on methadone. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I. You're that's adding. why I'm kind yeah. of against methadone okay. because I was really very rarely just on methadone. Okay, right. So, so I, I, I would shoot dope before I would get my dose. Yeah. Okay. So I could still get so you high. Could feel it. Yeah. yeah. Um. And um. And the phone rings, and my mother is in California, and okay. she's like, 
David, turn on the TV. Turn on the TV, and I turn on, and I I grew up in Manhattan, and so like I look at the the twin towers falling down, and I'm just like, holy shit! And in my mind, one of my reasons for being a heroin addict was because I felt like the world was ending. Anyway. Okay, so I, I, I can relate to that. There were there were a million things happening that. at that sure. point in time, just like trends, and and I was so deluded. Y2K I, had just happened, but it was also just like style, Rage Against the Machine, fucking. Fucking these crusty anarchists. That's just a very I, common thing. I remember my, I heard my grandfather used to, like, he was a binge drinker, and he would drink because, like, the Vietnam War. Right. You know what I mean? That's I like just felt yeah, yeah. like it seemed like the world was going to end. I yeah. thought 2012, December 21st, it was for sure going to end. I was, I I was, was listening convinced. to podcasts about that from, like, fucking physicists, and, like, they were convincing me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Sorry, so I just sorry, figured... Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. So I just figured... This a sign. That, no, I just figured... That this was par for the course. Like I was, I was also you weren't phased. I was, I was, I was not phased. When it happened, though, it, it, I don't think anybody knew it was going to be as big. I mean, it was a big fucking deal to watch planes crash into building, but it was like it, it changed the whole fucking world. I mean, it, it had a massive effect, and I don't know that anyone necessarily knew it. Maybe at that. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, like, but a normal person feels bad. <laughs> you know, I think I was a little excited that something was different. Something chaotic. You know, yeah. everything, you know, my life was total chaos. Everyone else had a normal life. And I was like, right. ooh, this is something different. Yeah. And then my mom was like, check on your sister. My parents were in California. And she was like, check on your sister. Check on your aunt. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know? And I think I hung up the phone and I, maybe I called my sister and I called my aunt. And you I were like, like, hung up the phone and you're like, my methadone. No, I was like, I was like, I was like, no, I wasn't even thinking about there was a problem. Yeah. I was like, I was like, do 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 do. I was like, I was like, let's see. It's, it's eight in the morning. I'm going to go get my dose. And then we'll see what I do after that. I wasn't like thinking it was nine 11. You know, I leave my apartment and I start walking down 8th Avenue. Did things look different outside? Like, Dude, I'm walking down 8th Avenue uh, like a down. salmon swimming upstream. There's just <laughs> yeah. people, thousands of people coming <laughs> You're the up. only one going downtown. I'm the only one oh going God. down. The streets are full of people. Yeah. Going, the subway stopped running. Everything stops running. Everything stops. I'm, I'm just stro- – and I'm strolling along like, like going to get my methadone, <laughs> right. on my way to get my dose, <laughs> right. blah, 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 blah. Regular day. Like, well, this is. I'm not, no, I'm thinking this is weird, but I'm thinking this is interesting. Like yeah. I'm watching a waterfall or yeah. something. Anyway, uh, my methadone clinic was on 13th Street and 7th Avenue in this church, the Presbyterian Church over there. That's and, where Pax used to be. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Um, and uh, I get to 14th Street and I notice something's different. There's uh, tanks on 14th Street <laughs> Holy and army shit. troop trucks and just. Fucking soldiers with machine guns on 14th Street, wow. and I'm still just like the cartoon character. Do 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 do. You didn't even think like that. Like you I was just, like, no, I was like, I was like, whoa. We started to worry a little bit then. <laughs> no, I was like, this looks serious. Yeah. But I was like, gotta get the methadone. I'm not yeah. thinking like this is gonna have anything to do with me. Yeah. And um, and, and I and I get to 14th Street, and the soldiers like, where do you think you're going? And I was like, and I was like, 13th Street, and he goes. Do you see us here? We have guns. You know, everyone's going the other way. They just pulled up the World Trade Center. And I said, I know, sir. I need to get my methadone. What did he say? But he would just understand, like, and be like, oh, oh. He goes, he goes, he goes, what? I said, I said, you don't understand, sir. I got to get my methadone. 
And he's like, what? I go, my medicine, my clinic is on the next street and I need to get it. Yeah. He goes, well, do you have any identification? I was like, of course I do. I pull out my methadone card. It's, like, it's everywhere you want to be. You know what I mean? I was like, it's me. And then he just lets and you he, And he weighs me through with a machine gun. Yeah. Oh and God. I get into the clinic and it's like any other day in the clinic. Are you serious? Everyone's like, Look at Brenda. No, I think I think I think we all got take homes that day. Yeah. Oh, because yeah, it was like they thought the world might end. Yeah. We all got take home one day or I think give you a couple days. I think they I own I think everything I got more than one take home from that yeah. clinic. In <laughs> yeah. California I would get a month's worth and I have a crazy story about that. Yeah. Wow. But um but then I'm That's like wild, then I'm no then I cross back out and I'm like, this looks like a, a really bad day to waste and I just get on the L train and I go straight to Bushwick and I call my dealer and I give him every cent. I'm like, just give me whatever. I think I bought like four bundles and I go home and I just fucking shot dope. dope. The rest of the day. The rest of the day. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the 9-11 story. Wow. It's, I mean, it's like, that's it's what wild. we do. It's, it's a very unique story though because you were in a very unique situation in a very unique, I mean, it, it, just to be in New York during 9-11 is one thing, but to be, to have like been kind of in it and just sort of like, you know, kind of not freaking out. Like every, it's just, it's, it's, it's how old was I? Okay. If I was born in 1974, so 19, I was 27, and it was as though I was like 12 years old. I was such a fucking idiot. Yeah. And like, and I didn't think anything of it. I just thought. I needed to get the fucking methadone. But that's kind of how it is. I mean, yeah, a singleness of mind. So I have, I have another, I have a methadone story real quick. I'll tell you, I I didn't have money on my Metro card and I, and it was 1250. I got to, I have to get to the clinic at 115. Didn't have money on my Metro card. So I hopped the rail. Mm. I think I'm good. I go down on the subway. Subway's not going. Say, Oh fuck. All of a sudden a cop comes, pulls me off the subway says, sir, we have, you know, you just hop the fucking rail, what's going on, show me some identification, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, we got to get this over with quick. If you're going to give me a ticket, give me a ticket. I got to go get my methadone. And you said that too? Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> that's I what we say. It's as though so... we have some fucking carte blanche. Well, yeah. <laughs> and we're, really, we're criminals. Me. Really, we're criminals. Well, yeah. well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, fuck, I hope I don't have a... I just, I was, I was new to New York City though. And, and so new into where I didn't even think it was a big deal to like hop the rail. I was like, yeah. oh, I don't have money. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to fucking you know, jumped the rail and, and that was my biggest fear that I wasn't going to fucking get it. And luckily, you know, I didn't have any warrants or anything and he gave me a ticket and I, you know, I went on my yeah. way, but, but yeah, it's like, like you got did he search you immediately the second you say methadone? No, they didn't even search me. He Cause he saw, knew that it was, yeah. it's, we're fucking end of the liners once we're fucking <laughs> in that spot. <laughs> oh yeah, man. It's the fucking last resort. Yeah. yeah if you don't get methadone, his job easier anyway. Of course. I want to well, right. yeah. tell one more story. Yeah. Do you have time? Yeah. Are you sure you got time? One more story and then I got to go. Right. Fucking, I was living in Los Angeles. And Is this going to be all right to say? It's going to be a lost tape. We don't want to No, no, no. Right. If I could, this, you know, right. it's not any worse than the last story. Right. This story I think is funny at least. Yeah. Um, I was living in Los Angeles and, um, you know, I'm a fucking mess at 130 and, uh, and I booked this job in, uh, Sedona, California, to go trim weed, you know, for a month. Pot really? weed, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and um, 
I'm like clearing all this stuff with the fucking methadone clinic. I'm like, I'm going to need 30, 30 bottles because I have a job up north and yeah. I'm <laughs> going to need all of it. Wow. And, and like I had, was methodical with – I would do dope only on Monday and they would test me on the Friday and I'd always – it would work like a charm. Okay. And so I get the 30 bottles. I get one of these gigantic plastic bags and I put all 30 bottles into the yeah. plastic bag, put it in the trunk of the car. I have a, a pill bottle in the front seat with all sorts of clonopins, like 25, 30 clonopins yeah. in the front seat. Did you have a script for them or no? Were they your clonopin or did you? No, I didn't have a script. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah. I didn't have a script for them. Okay. Put them in, in like the, the ashtray or something. Then I fucking have like fucking ounce of weed in the, in the, in the passenger seat. You were good and, to go. And, 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 it, I, and I think I had dope. You're bringing weed to the pot. <laughs> well, I needed to smoke. I needed to smoke on the drive off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for the, for the maybe drive. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, right, maybe, right. maybe it was like a quarter. Yeah. You know, I, I think I was exaggerating. <laughs> right. uh, okay, so I'm driving, and, and I'm not a good driver. You know, I crashed so many cars in California. I grew up in Manhattan. You know, yeah. It's not a lot of driving. Right. Anyway, so, and I'm high as shit. And yeah. I'm driving up the coast. It's like a, an eight-hour drive to Sedona. Yeah. Fucking, I pull over an hour out, take a nap. I, I, I drive a little more. I find myself nodding. I'm like, I think I'm going to pull over here. And I start taking pictures of pigeons in, um, in the parking lot. I'm like running after pigeons to watch them flock. And I'm like, okay, enough of this. You and still I, do that. By and, the way. And I, I get back in the car and I start driving and I start nodding. I'm like, okay, I take another nap and, and I start driving again. And now it's dark yeah. and it's night. And this fucking farm is God knows where in the yeah, hill country in sure. Northern California. And there's no GPS in your phone. No, yeah. there's no phone. There's <laughs> yeah. no nothing. Yeah. Right. And it was fucking whatever, 2003 or something. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have GPS. I didn't yeah. have fucking anything. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't know how to read a map. I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> I haven't written on a piece of paper, sure. I think. And I'm doodling on the paper. I'm a fucking mess of a human being. And there was like, a lot of, there was a shit ton of drugs and you're fucked up. A shit ton of drugs and I'm fucked up and I'm pulling over constantly smoke. I'm driving smoking. <laughs> and I'm like, as long as the sun doesn't – and I leave at like 4 in the morning so I can have maximum sunlight because right. when it's dark, it's so over. So you have like 16 hours. Yeah. But I don't make – and it's a seven-hour drive. Right. Yeah. And, and like it's like 10 o'clock at night. It's dark and I'm off the highway and I'm on some fucking road fucking like a half a mile outside of Sedona looking for some red barn I'm supposed to turn on <laughs> to a dirt road. No lights farm. probably anywhere. And then oh, no. and I'm like oh my god. You're and a half some, mile away. Yeah fucking some fucking small town fucking sheriff. Sorry, you. Yeah. Oh. It pulls me over. Who right. knows what I'm doing. I'm probably yeah. drifting yeah. in and out. Yeah. And, and, and I'm high as I'm just a you mess. You probably reek yeah. of weed. The car probably stinks. I'm a weed. mess. A yeah. total mess. But, you know, I had a prescription for the weed. I was in the fucking program. Okay. I had a prescription for the weed. And uh, methadone. And, well, first he pulls me over. He goes, we got to search your car. And I said, well, officer, I have this weed, but I have a prescription. <laughs> and I have these pills, and I think there's a prescription yeah. for that. And he goes, let me check the trunk. And I said, okay. And we, and we started walking to the trunk. And he opens the trunk, and there's 30 bottles of methadone. I was like, I have a prescription for this. And I'm looking at him, and I'm just thinking, anywhere else, it's over. He goes... It's all right. Well, you just gotta go down the road a half a mile. <laughs> no, it's fucking the the left. I was like, right oh on, sir. God, and, and I get there, and and I fall asleep like in some little cabin by a wood stove. And I wake up the next day, and I was like, 
I think I'm going to like it here. And I'm trimming weed. By the end of the day, they're like, this guy's got to go. For really? Because they didn't, I was just talking and I was high and I was annoying <laughs> them. And they kicked me out. Oh, I drive back. Day? I think two days. Yeah. I, I think I, in the sun, in the morning, I saw like elks bucking. Their own. I was like, what a beautiful place. It was place. a majestic place where you, you But I was too toxic. I was too toxic for it. Wow. They kicked me out within a day and a half because I annoyed them so much. I'm like making small talk. You were just about happy to like be around other people. But I was. Been isolating and fucking. But I was toxic. Weird from New York, <laughs> Jewish, which I don't think played well up in the sticks of California. Yes. And they're like, get this guy out of here. So the next day, I pack my 28 <laughs> bottles of methadone back in the car. I get back in the car. With a crack of dawn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> See you guys. And, and yeah, it's fucked up. That's oh a funny story. God. I never That's heard that. Awesome. Yeah, it's funny. You no, were so I, fucked up, you couldn't hold a job down at the pot. At the fucking pot. I couldn't. I couldn't make it twenty four hours. I don't think. Yeah. And, and in the end, I was like, I don't know why they fired me. And, and my girlfriend, sense. my girlfriend was just like, I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was just like, fuck. Oh fuck. God, that was amazing. That yeah. was great. All right, That's that was good a good episode. Yeah, I feel good about that. I appreciate yeah. you guys. You did a very nice job. Thank you for cool. coming. DJ. Thank you for coming. Anytime. Very good. I got. I got. Oh wait. Stories. Dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review. Yes. So we can rank on iTunes because we need reviews. I don't think there was enough recovery in this episode. I feel dirty. Next time, we'll bring him back and be more recovery. Do you don't feel I'm dirty? in recovery no, now. there's enough. There was a lot. You had some good recovery talk with DJ before it started. That, that doesn't help the Dopey Nation, though. I know. Well, Why don't we do a part two to this? Part two. This is part one. I'll no, actually Chris, put that on add, the episode, part one. Can you please add some recovery to the end? Um, Do the next right thing. Meeting makers make it. <laughs> I don't buy that whole meeting makers make it thing. Oh, absolutely. I buy it. Absolutely. You don't really? think meeting makers make it? I think it? if meeting makers make it, if that's enough to keep you sober, like I just don't agree with that. Same, same step, thing. Step takers make it. What's one thing in common you hear everybody who goes back out say? I stopped going to meetings. I stopped going to meetings, but it's also if you just went to meetings, if that was enough, it's taking steps. That's true. And the meeting started as a place to talk about, about the working steps. the steps. Yeah. And then the beginning, they worked the steps in like two weeks. Yeah. And your boy from PAX, the blind guy, he's always talked about how he doesn't buy the meeting makers making. Oh yeah. Of, yeah. He doesn't like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's no, true, it's though. so true. Though. You stop. I mean, but when are you going to talk about the steps and when are you going to work the steps? When you go to fucking meetings, right. and you hear people that's, talk about that's it. That's the so you go to the, meetings and you're going to take steps. You got yeah. you, but that's. Because if, if you're not going to steps, you for, you forget. We forget how fucked up we are. Yeah, I'm we, stuck we on the goddamn six Unless you're fucking step. golden boy Teddy Two Shoes, oh, who right. just naturally gets it. Because he's one of those guys. What man, does that mean? Just, well, I don't, first of all, another thing is uh, the dirty little secret of the addiction treatment industry is spontaneous remission. And there's a portion of alcoholics and addicts, or people who meet the criteria for like, in the DSM, who just stop randomly. And but the problem is every single alcoholic and addict. Thinks they can spontaneously right. remit. Some people can. Some like, people do. My brother made an ass of himself at a wedding. Never drank again. I, I did that every week. Right. You know I mean? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, we got a good friend who did the same thing. Was at a Christmas party, drank too much, fucking passed out, fell into the Christmas tree, embarrassed himself, hasn't drank in like six years. Yeah. He just stopped. But yeah. you don't. You don't know what's going to happen on your eight. You know. You don't know. Yeah. You know. You, it's fine. How old is Ted? He's my age. He's twenty-seven. 27. Yeah. Well, he just turned twenty-seven. He just got a April. sick job. I don't want to. I, he doesn't want to come on Dopey also part, partly because of his new job. Oh, really? Good. Yeah. yeah. People should stay off the Dopey. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Don't say that. My girlfriend was like, was like weary about me fucking coming on here. Well, uh, well, hey, listen to it. But we there's actually, nothing. We there's nothing that was said on here that I wouldn't like. You know, it's in the past. I fucked up. I'm doing. We didn't right. say and that. Whole thing, and, the, and the whole thing, though. I didn't say last night. And also, yeah. the whole thing, though, is that like people hopefully will listen to it that you know are newly sober or might be struggling, and sure. they'll realize like it's possible. You know, it is possible. And it, but it, but it it took what I the stories I just told plus another eight nine years of me going to rehab and bullshit before I finally surrendered and was willing. To do something different. But you know what even fucking helped though when I became willing to do something different? It wasn't listening to an MD, a PhD, or like a social worker or something. It was hearing somebody telling stories sort of similar to what we're talking about that would capture my attention. And then I'd be like, wait, like how did you do it? How did you stop? Do you know I, what I mean? But I, I had to get the hook, and the hook was a lot of times like the a stories that fucking you could crazy relate to. It's like, I did that same fucking there thing. Was yeah. no, there was no possible way that I would stop until I wanted to stop. Yeah. No matter how many stories I heard, no matter how, how many I, – I was the guy – I was the guy – I went to meetings for yeah, years. Yeah, but, I, but I, even if I wanted to stop though, like even if I wanted to stop – I might not think it's possible, but hearing someone tell a story and especially talking about their feelings and why they use and not being able to sit alone in a room and I'd be like, okay, I think yeah. he's got the same thing I got. I want to stop. I haven't been able to and I'd be like, but how did you do it? Right. So once I was wanted to stop as you're talking about and heard somebody say right, something right. that like, yeah, resonated with but me. But there is uh, – the, the, you know, it's a cliche and, and there is no age reason for it, but the real – Sick and tired of being sick and tired right. is real. I like that. I like willingness. that. Dude, I like this sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's, it's the real it's thing. Yeah. It's doing the wrong thing for so long and you're so beat down into submission that you're like, fuck it. I'm, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. But not yeah. only tell me what to do. I'm beat up enough to where I'm actually going to do it. Yeah. And I might not want to go to these meetings, but I'm going to fucking go because I know that if I don't, I'm probably going to do the wrong thing. And these people have done what I'm trying to do, and they're sitting here. And the, these are the, the like I go to packs every, every three times a week, and I see these guys. They're some of the the coolest people I've ever met have been in recovery. Yeah, have, have been addicts, past addicts, most interesting. Because they have two lives. They and, have like two. Totally and the guys lives. at these meetings, I see, and I'm like, that's what I want to be. I want to be like this guy who feels good about himself, who's confident, who has a fucking life. When we're doing drugs. You don't have a fucking life. Not but here's, the, but here's the here's the silver lining. It's line. funny here's, and we joke around, but you your life fucking but sucks. Here, here's the silver lining, and this is the beautiful part of it, is that we have this affliction that will kill us. Yes. And if we treat it, we can have the flip side of becoming a better person. Other people sure. who don't have the affliction might bumble around and just be kind of miserable their yes. entire life. You're absolutely Whereas right. we're like, okay, you can live a life of like desperation and despair. Or you can leave a life that's beyond your wildest dreams. And that, There's either end of the spectrum. And we love that, too. That's Absolutely. What yeah. and, and I wouldn't trade any of my experiences for anything. And it's made it's – made, our experiences have made us who we are today. And like how many people have you heard in meetings say, I am currently living a life better than I ever thought I could? Yeah. The, like the promises say, you know, like uh, – All the promises. All the promises. You know, what they the say. Nine the step promises. promises. Yeah, totally. I am um, – Oh, the, at the end of my shit, yeah. it was like the thing that that occurred to me was that there was no way I was going to get any higher. So it's yeah. time, it's time to look the other direction. That too, yeah. because you don't working. But also, there's there's nothing there. You know, it's like you know that it's like in the you matrix. The fallacy. It's you the know, fallacy. in the matrix, yeah. when she opens the door and she says, "Neo, 
you know what's down this road, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah. I, I was like, fuck it. I, I'm just like packing it in. They're done that. I want to go down the, the road where I don't know. I, my potential is going to get mangled mm. by any fucking substance that I take. My potential will be mangled. That's yeah. what my Good favorite no thing, and I've talked about this on the show before, was after doing a shot of Coke, after I pulled it out and was holding the hole, was while it was coursing through my veins before it hit me. It was a couple seconds, and that was my favorite part because it was the hope the that there was this one shot was going to be the best shot that I'd ever done, and it was going to make me feel better and more complete than I've ever felt in my life. And then it would kick in, and I'd be like, I'm going to die. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> right. But my favorite part was that hope. But what happened was, what you're talking about, is after a while, that hope was gone. I just yeah. saw the fouls. I'm like, this does not work. It is not the solution. Right. It's not working, but I can. T- but I can't stop doing it. You can't stop doing it. I can't it. stop. Yeah. That's when people kill themselves. Is when they realize the fallacy of of substances, and they realize they can't live with substances or without them. Yes. And that's when people take their own lives. But that's the beauty of the program. It teaches you, you can have a life. Well, tomorrow so I'm going to be the greeter at my seven thirty meeting in the morning, and now it's eleven yeah, forty-three. Yeah, yeah, All right, is that is this too. enough recovery to end the episode? You just did this for me. You didn't no, think this that was this, great. This is needed a for cleansing. Donation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you needed a cleansing. I've rambled on about bad stuff. No, it's like when you ramble. take the ginger. I mean, you know, you take the ginger after you eat uh, sushi. Yeah, Good. this was the ginger. I like that. <laughs> yeah, nice. but you didn't ramble. We just needed a little flush. Yeah, the part this will be the mochi. No, we needed the mochi, and we needed um. We needed a dopey dopey. This was a dopey dopey. This is a dope dopey. Yeah. yeah. The last one was a very recovery dopey. Yeah. It was good. Well, he All had right. like 16 years, the guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's All so right. Good. Say goodbye. All right, we're going to do, do a part two. Thanks for listening. I'll be back. There's some more of my crazy stories. And uh, keep listening to these guys. They're awesome. Good, good night. Good night. Toodles. Please drop a review. Say, just don't say toodles. Toodles. <laughs> it's not cool. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had